0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.
1: Hey, guys, why don't we eat?
0: Yeah, do of course. i love your spam. I love it, I love ah, it, spam, spam, spam Cornbite, 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 cornbite
2: You man face your point, suit you sir
0: Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, spam, spam and spam I said
1: I don't want any damn vegetables
3: Lentils are really good, you know Mmm, forbidden donut
0: Sunday afternoon, you're listening to Eat It, and you know where you are. It's three triple R and the great news is I've got Matt Stedman here.
1: Oh, g'day Cameron. You're sounding a bit different today. It's like we're on a video conference or something.
0: Yeah, it could be like we're in <laughs> Microsoft Teams, um, and in as a matter of fact, we are. Yes, uh, folks, um, we are not here for the show, but we, uh, as Matt said. The dragon stuff out of the
1: freezer, huh? It's some good stuff though. So uh, we've got a good hour ahead. We're we'll going to get to that in a second. How are you anyway, yeah. Cam? Are you well? You're looking well.
0: Thank you very, very much. Uh, I have a special filter on in my <laughs> in my software here, um, but I did want to uh, mention something to you that yes. is. Um, i read with a little bit of sadness and mm-hmm. uh, St. George's Road up in North Fitzroy mm-hmm. will now not be the same for two things. One, because mm-hmm. uh, Hannah from the Moroccan Soup Kitchen has mm-hmm. decided to move and go to a different model, which we discussed a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But you heard about this too, didn't you? Down the yes. road.
1: Yeah, it's just down the road. Super Maxi has, uh, have made the decision to close their doors after 12 years. Yeah. Um, Which is sad news. I mean, everyone moves on, but you always like a good local, and that's going to be one fewer now. Well, and
0: uh, Rita and Giovanni have been, well, carrying on the tradition that um, that Rita uh, sort of um, uh, trademarked and Mm. broke through with Ladro in Gertrude Street with those incredible irregular-shaped pizzas, which Mm. were... So good and such a revolution. And she did, She we could say that she started the revolution and then consolidated with Giovanni in just this beautiful place in St. George's Road, and uh, it's not going to be. Hmm. The good news is uh, that there's still time that uh, you can come and uh, join in. But it
1: will uh, close on July the 30th, I think. Is that yeah? You've got a, cu- you got about a couple, right? of, couple of weeks to have your last pizza. But um, yeah. yeah, obviously it's sad. News, but you always wish people well. They're moving on, making their own decision, which is uh, which is better than some alternatives.
0: In yeah, in
1: indeed it does. And um, yeah, so uh, get in for your pizza
0: or one of those cotoletas or the beautiful salads that they do um, before uh, it leaves. North Fitzroy, but uh, we salute all the the great meals that have gone through the past there. And, uh, yeah, what a place and uh, a thing that re- truly represents Melbourne, mm. I'd have to say. So, anyway, moving on from there, um, the freezer, Matt.
1: Uh, we've... <laughs> we've reached – you know how, Cam, sometimes you make, you make something delicious and it's even better the second time when it comes out of the freezer? Yes, that's, or that's... tastes just as good. Well, hopefully even better. That's today's yes. show. Uh, we've got some really good stuff that we've got from the archives. Some of it pre-COVID, some of it's a little bit old now, but it's all um, it's all it's all good stuff. It is. Uh, it is Do you want to start from the back end?
0: Oh, the back end. All right. Well, uh, Sebastian Rayborn talks um, mm. about whiskey and uh, because I think he just joined uh, Top Shelf Whiskey and was talking about. Wandering through matrix-like sets of barrels and uh, sampling them, and discovering the nuances between barrels, mm-hmm. and the whiskey-making process, and how to make great whiskey here uh, in this town, which um, of course has been proven by David Vitali with Starwood. Yes, we, we could say so. Anyway, Seb's journey uh, through the whiskey barrel, we could mm-hmm. sort of paraphrase this one out. Uh, that we then talk with Guy Grossi uh sell cookbook still a great great cookbook to have if you haven't got it in your collection um i'd have to say it's one that i've never let go um, yes do you, have you got one still we do and we use it yeah. regularly yes and there's some recipes that are just there's so many killer actually there's so many killer recipes that have every ingredient like some cookbooks, believe it or not, um, because of the ego or the I don't know, <laughs> motivations of chefs, um, you're sort of bound to fail. <laughs> yes. um, not this one. But this one has got the, you know, the cinnamon, the little mm-hmm. bit of cinnamon that goes in the the bolognese, which gives it that little bit of, oh, oh wow, this <laughs> is very, very nice, you know. And um, so anyway, it's always a, a pleasure to talk with Guy Grossi because he's just... A ripper, He that really, thing. really is. And uh, and then finally, well, actually well, to I I start, start the show, finally, <laughs> well, you know, sorry, I got it all mixed up, didn't I? Um, and then to start things off, we have way back from two thousand seventeen, uh, Adrian uh, from the uh, the duo of uh, Adrian and Lucy from the Hidden Sook. Uh, we have him talking about cumin, and um, well, it's like his mastermind subject, so. Let's let him start this off. Take it away. We are delighted to be bathed in the glow of the knowledge of spices. Adrian from The Hidden Sook, very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for coming in.
3: Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm really happy to be back in, actually.
0: Adrian MacGyver, we call you, but... uh, (laughs) Long
3: story. Long story. Not going
0: to go there. Your mastermind subject uh, for this afternoon is about a spice that uh, a lot of us don't really, really think of originating in the eastern Mediterranean. It's cumin. It didn't originate in India. Um, No. No?
3: I believe the Indians use about 65% of the total world supply. They love it. And they grow about 90% of it. Yeah. Or is it 70? I might be wrong there. No, Mm. they grow 70% and use 90% of their own. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, but yeah it originates around sort of the earliest we've seen back is maybe Syria. They've sort of dug up a place in uh Teled Dur, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it. Teledur. So that goes back to Syria. Good this. place to visit.
0: <laughs> Send me a postcard when you get there.
3: Yeah. The the
0: Romans were hot for it too, weren't they?
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So, yeah, they used to use it as a table condiment. There's evidence of them finding, like, vessels that were only used for cumin, and they've also found mixes of coriander leaf and mints. And
0: and they talk also about this this mixture of um, grinding it down and, and, like, spreading it on bread, which sounds kind of interesting.
3: Oh, I'm not sure about that. I have heard about, about that. Okay, yeah. let me no, offer I'll, this. I'll defer
0: in, you on that. In the same way that you can use za'atar, za'atar. Za'atar? Yeah. And uh, make a mixture of that with olive oil and spread it on um, flatbread and
3: then sort of toast awesome. that up. Like an oily, pasty... Oily, pastry. pasty thing. That um, sounds kind
0: of nice. You can, you can do that with cumin. And I, I think the Romans also, because they were hot for garum, which was their version of fish sauce, um, they used to mix it with that too.
3: Apparently. Apparently okay. so. That would make a lot of sense. So yeah. Learning something new there, that's good. <laughs> oh,
0: it's, 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 it's a conversation, yeah. Yeah, Adrian, it's you know. Good. But um, tell us uh, what else. But the thing is that it it was popular in Europe, as far as I can see, during the Middle Ages, and then for some reason they went, they got the finger out, they went, no, nah, no more, no cumin. It's
3: not doesn't really appear in the repertoire of, of Europe's dishes, does it? No, not... Not at all, really. I mean, you see a lot of it in Spain, and obviously you've got the North African influence, which I guess lingered a lot longer in Spain, and being a big trade route, they mm. were a bit more open. But, yeah, if you if you ask Italians about it, they're like, oh, we never use you it. What? What are you talking about? Yeah. You and might be able to buy it there, but you can't really find it in dishes. And it's not going to be in something in, from, from Nana's repertoire. But, yeah, the Portuguese
0: used it, and then, of course, leapt across the Atlantic with their, you know, raping and pillaging ways and opening up uh, the new continent. Mm, yeah, whether it's the... That's a pejorative. The, the, the exploration <laughs> took place and they brought cumin with them. That's probably
3: a better way to put it. Yeah, exactly. You, so it's, it's hugely popular, obviously, in Mexican cuisine, um, mm. where it's usually used raw as opposed to most people know it as being used toasted. Um, got into a big discussion with Lucy about this earlier, about when to roast, the, when not to roast. The other part of the hidden soup. Hi, Lucy. <laughs> you sing on the radio. Yes. Yeah, if she's managed to wrestle the radio into working order. Then <laughs> God bless. Yeah, so as far as the toast or don't toast argument, um, depends on the application, not something I'm going to get into. Well, OK, but let's...
0: Let, let's I don't want to go there because you are got to go back to the car, don't you, where, where Lucy's waiting for you. But I will say, because I don't have to go back to the car, is that um, cumin can have sort of a bit of a... A raucous flavour, and by, by toasting it down, you bring out more of a nutty sort of a, a, a thing and and temper that raucousness, shall we say.
3: Well, yeah, you've got a few things going on. It's got a very high protein content, so you get the Mayab reaction when you toast it on a dry pan. Okay, yeah. Um, you lose the volatiles because they have low boiling points and they just disappear into the air, so you get mm. more of the bitter, solid kind of woody notes, and you also get a caramelly flavour from the, the protein and the sugars mixing together and
0: learning yeah. yeah. have we got a molecule there, what, what, ah, it yeah. there?
3: it's the cumin of got loads of them cuminal the main star here is cuminaldehyde or i, I say cumin. some say cumin yeah, yeah i like to say cumin, whatever tomato
0: tomatoes the yeah. root of the word
3: goes back so far that we don't have any recordings of how it sounds yeah i'll leave it at that yeah um so yeah very imaginatively cuminaldehyde cuminaldehyde,
0: cuminaldehyde? yeah i've had to Look at it a few times when I saw that word. I guess that's the that's the molecule anyway that gives
3: it that aroma and the taste. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the main content of its essential oil. At least the main one we're speaking of. There's also terpenes, which you know. Sort yes. Of, and pinines, which you know, the piney kind of uh, the pleasant chemical smells. Yes, yeah, so of pines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, terpenes can get a bit nasty. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No they hold noise. a good place in my heart because I do a bit of oil painting, but yeah. Oh right, but it's not good for you. No, <laughs> it's a very important flavour, but yeah. Mm. And um,
0: yeah, and that's that's sort of it. It, it is. It, it's kind of weird. It's um, it's a spice that that's travelled around the world, but only it's only seen parts of the world. And uh, as we say, the, the Mexicans love it. We've seen it in Tex-Mex cuisine North African cuisine and things like that and I'd like to say that for me personally one of the most successful ways I've ever seen cumin used and I still remember it was this a chicken soup with with cumin in it and and tortillas toasted and 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 put on top and there was and bits of coriander and and just a touch of chili and bloody hell it was delicious <laughs> I, I still remember it. this was something that was cooked for me maybe even more than a decade ago, but I still remember the flavour of it. And if you can get that balance right with and the cumin and the chicken
3: mm. and stuff. have you? Got, do you remember any dishes where you just went, oh, this is good cumin? <laughs> uh, well, honestly, the stuff we get, anything we cook with it, the only problem is using too much can be a problem. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, um, we get ours from Morocco, from... Uh, in a place called the Atlas Mountains. Um oh, the Atlas Mountains? Oh, it was kind of nice. It was featured on, on an Otolenghi show a while ago, and I'm looking at the screen going, that looks very familiar there. Um, it's picked while it's still green. Yes. It's just not really well known, but it's a fruit instead of this. It's not actually the seed. It's a seed-like fruit. Um, yeah, because they're little, titchy little plants. Um, they're sort
0: of related um, slightly to parsley, the umbellifer
3: or whatever that genus is. Yeah, Lucy would be able to pronounce uh, yeah. that. Um, the Yeah, beetroot. carrots, carrots, yeah. parsley, hemlock, all, yeah, all of that, all that those kind of stuff. Wispy leaves that come up. Comf- uh, not
0: comfrey. Um, uh, stop. Just move on because it's not. Yeah, the pointy, pointy, outy, strawberry. Yeah. That, that, that's shrubbery. sort of our central core, uh, sort of stuff. And, um, and, as you say, it's one of those things... That you've got to be careful you have a
3: dab hand. It's like cardamom. Ooh. Oh, my God, cardamom. <laughs> it's like you can get away with using too much cumin, but i not, not I And you know what? I've been cooking for a couple footy seasons now, and I, every time I use
0: cardamom, I always use too much. Because <laughs> I can't believe it. It's like, no, no, it
3: needs more than this. And I like, go, oh, God, i screwed it up again. Yeah, I, I just... I was just like, hey, Lucy, come over here. Do you want to add some? <laughs> oh, you
0: can you can, you can, can be the person that I'll does it. I'll grind
3: it up. I'm not putting it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main line of our business we've just sort of fallen into is actually supplying for the gin industry. Isn't that amazing? Yep, because we're all about the essential oils, the volatiles. And, and, and as dare I they,
0: say it, distillers would be looking for the very best. They wouldn't be going to the supermarket shelves and buying... Overpriced, somewhat out-of-date things in jars, perhaps, if I could
3: just... Mm, Yeah, I think the amounts, depending Mm, on the size of the batch, you'd probably want to get larger amounts and more guaranteed consistency of supply and And also of of aromas. and, And
0: what sort of things have you been selling to the distillers?
3: Oh, I'm just trying to wonder if it's
0: gins is such a, a symphony. No, you don't have to say the proportions or who you're supplying to. It's oh, okay. Not. we'll be cool. And even the ingredients of silence
3: <laughs> has just come down. Well, suffice to say, if you read the side of a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, you'll see yeah, you'll quite see a lot them. of the things. And I'll say the grains of paradise because they're beautiful. And what the hell is Oros Root? Oros Root? Ah, yeah. oh, you know, I think they use it as a fixative. I may be wrong on that. I'm not but is that named after some Egyptian god? Uh, it's, Iris. Iris, it's Iris Florentina, but yeah. Iris Florentina. Iris Florentina, yeah. Um. She was an opera singer, wasn't she? Quite possibly. Um, <laughs> I'm Iris Florentina. Want to hear a song? Iris sounds, sounds like silly.
0: somebody's. Yeah, I'm ambient. being flippant. I beg your pardon. No, so tell us more about what you know about uh, the botanicals
3: that you you're supplying to the.
0: Uh, yeah, obviously, it's
3: juniper. So let's—we've uh, got about a couple of minutes. But well, actually, juniper—we're just getting into because they use a lot of juniper, and we don't deal in it.' Yeah, it's the backbone of dry juniper. Yeah, hello, and it's again, the spine. With, with coriander, finding a good source of that, everyone's got their own little part. So, mm. coriander—we're doing—we're dabbling, but mainly the lesser known. So the cubeb peppers, the grains of paradise, and basically anything people ask. Um, if you ever saw Shawshank Redemption, Lucy is very much like Morgan Freeman's character. She can, <laughs> she can get you anything.
0: <laughs> a, a great analogy! I never thought of uh, of Lucy as being part of that, but that's good. That works. Yep, yeah, yeah, That's um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's that's the great thing about um, using spices is uh, is the fact, and especially in a gin, is that gin is a symphony of spices and it's the only um, one of the few that I can think of um, spirits that has that mixture of spices within it to as an expression
3: yeah it's incredible the variety even within London Dry where the mix is so locked down mm. you can still get an, a huge variety of, of different things people are still riffing on such an old theme and everyone's got their own thing it's, it's fascinating and just the source of the alcohol, the, you know, the distilling technique, where it goes, vapours and steeping, and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's fascinating. I, it's, I wish I knew more. <laughs> it's science and alchemy mixed together, isn't it? Was well, literally alchemy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was isn't it? it? Was invented by the alchemists, the Arabs, way back in the day. So yeah, mm. maybe not the gin, but the distillation technique. There we go.
2: There's so many different varieties of shark. Gummy sharks, it's most
1: expensive,
0: that's that, that's the premium. That's sort of like the, the black flathead, isn't it?
1: Uh, that's the Crown Lager. That's the Crown Lager. Yeah, that's the full steak. Eat it. Triple R.
2: Back on
0: three Triple R FM. It's great that you've joined us for this Sunday. You know, uh, a few years ago, Guy Grossi, Um, released a great book, which was called Celeba. You remember it, man? I do. I've got it. I've got a signed copy. Yeah, well, it's really, really great because it demystifies all the really, really great dishes of the Italian cucina, And uh, we thought we'd revisit it. And, uh, well, we start off by saying... Guy Grossi. Hello.
2: <laughs> I just like, woke up. Like I just started I just woke up. Like, oh, I started oh, again. I'm in a radio studio. I open my eyes and there's Cam Smith. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Cook's actually. day off. Yeah. It's Sunday. Family day.
0: Yeah. No, this I? is just great. I... You don't know how hard it is to get this man in a studio on a Sunday. No,
2: I love coming here. No, you he must the, be selling something or The perfect because yeah. you, you can come here just on the way through to having lunch. It's good. And where are you going for lunch? I'm going to the cult Wine Room today. JP yes. is going to cook for us. You know, oh, really? little family gathering there. It's going to be lovely. And what are the things you love to eat in the place? Is there any sort of oh, fave dishes? Oh, just, a, just feed me? Yeah, it's, uh, they do, he does a, a cracking little um, pork um, croquet thing. Uh, really? Like made from the pig's head, which I really enjoy. Woo! Yeah, so hopefully they'll be on the menu today. That sounds kind of
0: nice. Um, we started this thing with uh, Thelonious because um, I sort of painted a picture of the... Uh, the day in the life of Cafe Florentino, and I was sort of looking back, and I was saying the, the place only gets to sleep about four and a half hours a night
2: before it's very very little time. It uh, it, go, it goes almost twenty four hours a day. Like yeah. by the time the last people are leaving at uh, one or two in the morning, you know pastry chefs coming on about. Um, oh, yeah,
0: because it's closing five, at twelve.
2: They're yeah. still going to do the yeah, clean up and dinner, stuff. There's dinner so on and you know cleaning up, pack down all. So that it's probably of just stuff. a couple hours really. Yeah, but you're right, about three or four. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so you are here. I mean, we've been able to winkle you out of the family lunch first of all, which is great, because you've written another book. First, how many books is it now?
2: Oh, uh, I should have like counted five before, before I got it's about here. Five, about five, five. five. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah.
0: right. Let's um, go with five. We'll that go works. with five. Yeah. Um, this is um, this is just about the uh, the
2: cellar bar here at
0: uh, as we're saying
2: number 80. I'm very excited about this one because it's focused on the cellar bar and the cellar bar, as you know, is a a venue within our venue um, and it has its kind of own little subculture in it and its own little identity. Um, It's got its own very unique feel to it. Um, I think probably uh, it was amongst one of those first um, sort of cafe trattoria that really had that European style to it that... You know, hit the streets of Melbourne. So it's oh. a really cool place. It started off as uh, Cafe Denart, yeah. The the actual restaurant upstairs started off as Cafe Denart, yeah, which was which became Cafe Florentino in nineteen twenty eight. Twenty eight. The Samuel Wynn um, bought a restaurant called Cafe Denart, which which operated in Exhibition Street, um, and he moved it into Eighty Burke Street upstairs, which was his family home at the time, and he converted that into Cafe Denart.
0: So you know the pass from the cellar bar, with yes. that beautiful bit the of barrel, that with yeah. the barrel and
2: the wood yeah, and all that sort of 1950s that came in oh okay that because was,
0: it was interesting it was, it was Florentino and yet it had the Samuel Wynn sort of yeah because Wynne? the
2: Samuel Wynn um, I guess brand lived on there because he sold the leasehold to Ronaldo Masoni on the proviso that he would support the Wynn wine brand so uh, that was written into his lease actually offer, you refuse. exactly so no, very, you're cle- do very, my wine? Clever, very clever, that is very but, the clever. Legacy, but the legacy lives on obviously that's uh, Uh, gone and antiquated now, but the legacy still lives on. This book, which is about
0: that bar, the Cellar Bar at 80 Burke Street, to me is a book about um, history, obviously, history of the place, tradition. Mm. And um, I was saying before, it's about comfort food. And and I was looking back after... I've read the book. I've I've read it from cover to cover. Um, And... Dare I say that just about every one of these recipes that is in here is some sort
2: of comfort food that reminds you of being fed by someone else? Well, I have to agree. Look, it's, uh, the the food in, in the bar that we serve each day is food based on... Italian household. Uh, And in many dishes, we try to emulate the dishes that I grew up with as a a young boy in the suburbs of Melbourne, Mm. being um, nurtured by a very loving mum who cooked a lot for us. So, for example, the lasagna we serve in the cellar bar is as close as possible to her original recipe. Every now and then we bring her in and give her a serve and And just go, We
1: cool? Are we all right? It's like a calibration. Are (laughs) we still good?
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: yeah, only a calibration. calibration.
2: Cool. And you you leave her get the nod or is your mum a finger wagger? Why are you doing that? She can be. I was just saying to my good mate Raymond Capaldi out there that he asked how she was and I said, She still makes herself heard. Mm. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'll bet. and... And and that's it, because she's on, I don't know, like about page 10. There's this beautiful picture of the family on Burke Street. But, yeah, it, it's like that, though. Like ricotta hotcakes, you talk about your son Carla's favourite thing on the planet.
2: Well, he, he loved them. He always has loved them ever since he was a very young boy. Um and he imbibes quite a bit in in them. Yes. So he still enjoys them. He yeah. still he digs them. He digs them. Um and uh but they're just lovely, sweet, delicate, and a l- lovely little kickstart to the morning. Yeah. Um the, the pasta is one of the staples in the cellar bar as well. It really if you had to sort of sum it up into what is it all about, it's it's a pasta bar. It's all about great Hand-cut pastas. Um, you know, we still make all the pumpkin tortellini by hand every day. Someone, um, someone actually got to me on the Instagram who was saying, "Is
0: the pumpkin tortellini recipe in here?" This isn't. It? And, but afterwards, it was. Yeah. This is really important. It is. Yeah, but it no, was
2: because it she is. said she was growing the sage especially to make that dish. Oh, it's a beautiful dish. It's sweet, it's succulent. Um you know, it's uh it's a traditional thing from um a little town in uh in Italy called Modena. The the tortelli, tortelli di zucca. Um you know, you can break up amaretti on there. We don't we just keep it as the pure pumpkin bacon. Some you have can, the mustard on You there have too. the mustard with it as well, but we just use um crispy fried sage with this it, is it and simple. nut brown butter, parmigiano and it's delicious. Maybe if Rodgers was doing it upstairs, you might do that with yeah, a bit of Yeah, we, we do with yeah. a bit of mustard or something like that. Yeah, you give it a bit more elegance.
0: And uh, I liked one of the things you. we got to the, the pasta section, and you were just saying, look, there's rules for th- things.
2: Like, for instance, what were you saying? Orecchietti, it goes with? Well, it goes with broccoli or it yeah. goes with chimirri It yeah. goes, well, you know, are they rules? They're traditions, They're rules. There's just some people, sometimes people say, I say, oh no, you can't put that pasta with that. And they say, why? why? And I say, Be- just because, because you, you can't. Can. It's just, that's the way it is. It's not a rule. Just it's shut not up. a rule. Do it if you want to, but just if you want to know my opinion, you yeah. can't and just just eat it. And you're not feeding me this one. thing fingers just, right?
0: just come up. And well, uh, there was another really great, great analogy that I loved about it where you said, okay. We've got to the point where pastors are the sort of you know the 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 rock stars of uh, Florentino, and but then you brought out a couple and you, you you directly compared them to the Rolling Stones, which I love. Can you please repeat that? The Rolling
2: Stones. All right, I'll yeah. do it. You said you,
0: you, uh, you said to that it was uh, lasagna and the bolognese. Uh, the, I think you said the Bolognese was Keith Richards. Yes, that's and, right.
2: Yes, yes. And the other right. one was Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, that's right. So, um, we- well, they are. Well, as I said, the pastor is the the rock star of the bar. So mm. that's that's exactly as it stands. Center stage. Yes. Yeah.
0: Front said so the spotlights on. Um, there was an interesting thing in that there's a different um, minces that get put into the, the bolognases. Uh, I think when my mum first started, because she was just looking towards France and she was a great cook, but she didn't understand Italian food. God bless you. I'm sorry, Mama. I'm looking up at you now. Um, but Italians, a lot of the times they use pork mince in there to soften it up. You also in this recipe have a bit of chicken mince.
2: Yeah, we use Why? a lot. Little... Why? What's the chicken mince? It's ju- it just. What do you do that? For? It just lightens it up. Lighten. Yeah. Again, we're, we're just because we do. We do <laughs> We do This is the way we do it. And Mama knows she's going. We just like to have the mix of the three meats in there, yeah. and it's quite traditional. Um, it's a it's a it, the bolognese obviously comes from Bologna, um, and uh, you know in some recipes they actually finish the bolognese with a touch of milk as well, a touch of cream. We really? don't. We don't. Um, we we like to keep it quite pure and quite simple. The cream gives a, a richness on the mouth, a on the... Yeah, it, it richens it up, but also it helps to bind it together. Oh. Um, but we uh, we just keep it with um, the paste, the herb mix that we use, which is, um, and the garlic and onions what that, herbs we, put you that we put in it. We put a, a little bit of, um, uh, the, herb, the spice and herb mix, we use a bit of nutmeg, we use a bit of cloves. Oh, uh, we yes. use um, a, a fair amount of garlic. Um, and the herbs we use is parsley, predominantly parsley, touch of rosemary and touch of sage in there as well.
0: Isn't it amazing that those bassy ones
2: are in there? And you just a, um, just a little bit of clove yeah? it's, just a, no, it's you you don't need a lot you don't no. want to, you don't want to detect it you don't over, even want overly, to taste it but it, it's a hint it's a flavor in there it's like a it's like a seasoning in there um, and the, the key to making a sauce like that is obviously you know your sofrito the sofrito is always the important part you start to you know with your frying of your of your onions and the garlic and all that in the base The and and sofrito is the year the zero of everything it isn't is it? Really? and then you start to build your layers on top of that so you you know the meat has to be well cooked really well sautéed off before you start adding your wet ingredients and that is uh, one of the keys to making uh, the difference between a good ragu sauce like that or or a fantastic and amazing one because once you start to get that beautiful roasted flavour around each. More, each morsel of meat that's in that sauce you are actually building depth of flavor in there then you've got something to cook away so you then you cook it you bring it up and then you cook it very gently over a long period of time the longer you take it's better you know so you just turn it right down take your time don't try and rush it you know so, some chefs they turn up the gas and they want to boil it faster oh. so it cooks quicker i no. always turn down the gas you've got to take your time this is like a braised sauce it is a bright sauce. It is exactly that. Break everything down. Yeah. Make it all beautiful.
0: And you know what? This this book... God, I really enjoy... I, I love this book. Thank I, you. I really, really do. Thank you. Uh, but uh, as I said, I was... Uh, uh, I think it was Thursday night. I'm, I'm, I'm in bed reading a cookbook, which is always a terrible thing to do late at night when you're reading a cookbook of beautiful food. And... I used to go out with an Italian for uh, a little while and it was fantastic, but I remember something happened to me where well, the first time I ever went out for, for dinner at this place and um, to the family and, you know, the first thing you want a whiskey, yeah, sure, a whiskey, uh, antipasto. And I've gone, Oh my God, I lost my mind because there's just so much beautiful food and I, peeked out on the antipasto. And then we had the pasta came out mm. and I went, yeah, this is good. I can you do." Peaked, like, you peaked too early. I, yeah, no, I was still going, I was still okay mm. for the pasta. I'm thinking, no, I can do this, I can do this. And I've had the pasta. Then they look at me and they go, now we eat. <laughs> and I went, I'm screwed. <laughs> and this was like this when I'm reading this book because I've gone through the breads, I've gone through the breakfast, I've gone through the dessert... I've got to the pasta. I'm going, my God, this is just fantastic. I'm, I mean, I have to go out and get some food. And then after the pasta, what happens? The meat course. The meat course. Jesus well, hello. It's hello. lunch, isn't it? Oh, my God. And but it, 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 I,
2: I didn't take you for such a lightweight. No, <laughs> no you think I'd no by
0: now. No. <laughs> Knowledge plus experience. But then there's this great anecdote that I'd forgotten about you, Guy the great stealer of the marrow of the Osapucle. Yeah. yeah come true, on, actually. tell us about that. This is a this is a terrible thing well, you used to do as a child. It is and
2: I, I regret it to this day. I've, I've <laughs> you know I've even gone to confession and, oh. and confessed it. Tell Father um, what you have done. Well what I used to do when mum used to cook up the Osapuko for us, she'd sort of leave it to rest and brood for a while up above the stove. Yeah. And I'd sneak in there and uh, I'd take the tray down and then with a little armed with a little teaspoon, I'd uh, um, harvest each marrow out of the middle of the osso So then when it arrived at the family table, there was, wasn't many osso many, many There were all bukos. No, There was no marrow in the buko. There was just the or just the hole. Was there hell to pay? Well, my father was very angry because it was his favourite part of the yeah. dish as well so he always used to get angry with me. So I eventually had to stop doing it. Yes, <laughs> situation normal. Yeah.
0: Pietro is angry.
2: <laughs> you wouldn't have liked Pietro when he got angry. No, I can imagine. But you, he... you wouldn't have liked my dad when he was pissed or upset. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
0: you, you, you'll never do wondering with him. But <laughs> No. But in, in a way, this is an interesting thing, and, and this is a great thing, getting back to family, tradition, because there's so many shots of family. Incidentally, the grade on this book... Uh, do you what, like it yeah what we would now know because we're in the you know the age filter mm. um it's it's got this sort of golden sepia quality yeah, it's to
2: lovely. it well but, you know no, with it, i yeah. can't take look this is probably a good segue into yeah, saying into saying that um, I, I love this book too. It's it's very relaxed and it's it's something which you can pick up. And I see you've got chocolate on it already, which is fantastic. Which you were delighted about? Which I'm delighted about. Absolutely. Yes. So it's it's a relaxed cookbook, and it is a cookbook that you can do at home. It's it's yeah. it's very much family recipes. Yes. Um. But with and but it's still that's no excuse for things that. Are not great, so they can be some of the greatest dishes in the world. Absolutely, if everything's respected, all the help that comes together to put a, a book like this together or a project like this together. Like, I'm very proud that um, I have actually co-written this book with um, Carlo and Chris Rodriguez, Chris my brother-in-law, and Carlo, my son. Yes. So they're they've, and so they're actually um, they're listed as authors, which is fantastic. Um, and Mark Chu, the photographer, you mentioned the photography. He's Um, an amazing photographer Mm. Um, but it would be remiss of me not to mention everybody else that goes into making a project like this, all the extended family, the team at work and all of that, but also all the magnificent people that go to work and supply us every day with all this wonderful produce that we mention throughout the book, the local farmers, the people that make the plates and the pottery and I believe you've got Sam coming. Sam's about to come on. He's about to come on. He's made plates for you. He's made lots of plates for us. He's actually been Making plates at the Florentino for many many years, even pre our time there. He'll probably mention that when he when he comes on. I don't want to steal his thunder, but no, no. but no, um don't do that. It, uh, it 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 is so many people people don't understand how many bodies wake up, of a morning to make things like this, or mm. a restaurant, or you know great food culture in Melbourne continue to grow and and make it happy and good.
0: One of the yeah, and Does Matt, that Matt, sound Matt, passionate?
2: Yeah, you know, I was the, going for pure passion. No, you're, go, you're going.
0: We're, 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 oh, you won us that over on that. That
2: was my best work.
0: But Matt, Matt and I were talking about this. We were we were looking um, at the the back and we were actually ruminating on the fact that...
2: Oh, how
0: do we put this delicately? Um, there's a few restaurateurs that have been in the news for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well. Okay, let's just... So no, 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 hear me out. Um, but... Uh, They... I don't think I've seen many of the ones who have been in the news for the wrong reasons. That's a good euphemism. Yeah, thank you. Mm. That have uh, pictures on the back cover with all their stuff because not only do you have your family, but I would say to you, and do you think this is a true thing? that this staff is almost like your extended
2: family. We have a lot of people that have work, been working mm. for us in excess of 10 years, 15 years. Um, there's a great team of people behind us, um, and uh, we love them all, and um, hopefully they love us back. And they've been around a while, so I think that they do.
0: All right, I'm going to finish that off, because I don't want to leave it on that sort of, a, a, a sort of thing like that. Uh, one of the things, when I did actually get to the... Uh, the mains, and I went, damn you, Guy Grassi, there's so much beautiful food here. You were talking about uh, risotto, and um, I've never heard this um, said before, the way to describe the way the risotto needs to be on the plate, and uh, excuse my translation, you can... A la onda. Onda.
2: Yeah. onda. What does that mean? It means uh, to the wave. So yes. um, many, many moons ago, risotto was served quite a bit firmer than what it yes. is today. Glug. The, yeah. These days, it's a lot more elegant in its. Um, in its viscosity, it falls uh, it, it on it falls like a wave. So, yes. so once you put it in the centre of your plate, you should see it naturally just kind of calm to the edges. Mm. Um, but you don't want to see that separation of liquid. It's the starch and the liquid and the fats that are in the risotto have to be emulsified. And that's where, you know, it's called the man- to mantegare, the risotto. And it brings it all together where those elements come together and forms that lovely wave, that onda. So a I shiny suggest- wave. Yeah, Shining so I wave. suggest if you don't feel like a swim and you're hungry, you can still catch a wave. All right. And one thing before we
0: uh, – actually, two, two that was very good. quick well, things. I just thought of that. It's very nice. One thing that uh, personifies the philosophy behind uh, the people and the ethos behind Florentino is uh, a thing called, and here we go, I'm going to murder the language, sprezzatura.
2: sprezzatura, sprezzatura. You did, you're fantastic, did like a native. What does Brun- that mean? La <laughs> <The> sprezzatura is, <laughs> it's, kind, it's a word which, um, it, it's kind of organised chaos. Mm. Mm. It, it's, it's, um, there's no real proper explanation for it other than the fact that things fall into place that seem by chance. So you need your wine and it's just there because the bottle happens to be close enough to reach it. Mm. Um, you need some cutlery and it just kind of appears because it just happened to be there. But it all had to be organised at some point for it all to work. But there's a thought process behind it There's a thought all. process behind it. But it seems like... It's very hospitable, it's a bit manic, and it, that, and it wasn't really organised for you. It just kind of happened because everyone cared so much, which they do, but it's kind of organised beforehand. That's the classic sprezzatura. Calm, cool, and slick.
0: Uh, one more thing. Okay, last thing before you go to lunch. We're, I love playing this. I don't think we've ever played this game before.
2: Last meal. What would your last meal be? Uh, it would be f- food with family and friends. I don't care what I'd be eating as long as the people around me love me. Triple. Ah.
0: You're listening to 3 Triple RFM, and we're doing a thing that Matt calls pulling it out of the freezer. <laughs> uh, we're not here at the moment. That's why sonically this sounds uh, a little bit different. Mm. Yeah. We've got to come clean about this, as we did in the beginning of the show, and uh, we thought we'd revisit an interview we did with Sebastian Rayborn, and uh, his mastermind subject is whiskey. What a joy it is to look across and see you,
4: Sebastian Rayborn. It is just lovely to be in the studio, <laughs> Matt Cam. How gorgeous. It's it feels like an eternity. Cool.
0: Yes, Since it we does. Could, uh, yeah, well, that's because it has. Yeah. Really. <laughs> that's because it has been. Uh, we found that special cut. Well done, Matt, on finding that I car. It. I do my best. You did well. My God. Uh, Sebastian, you've driven all the way down from Detroit. Detroit. Nice knife about that. Is anyone going to get offended about that? Probably. Um, <laughs> Geelong Town, where you have been... How long have you been living down there for now? Oh, a few
4: years now, can Yeah, okay. You're loving it.
0: The, and uh, the, at the Federal Mills, you've uh, made that a, yes, a indeed. repository of beautifully infused uh, booze. So we're, it, you are talking about Anther down there.
4: If you're heading to the surf coast, the Ballerine, or enjoying the glories of the... the, the the jewel of the bellerine, Geelong, <laughs> to uh, stop in. Nice. Mills you. You've, you've
0: drank the you. You've drank the Kool-Aid, my friend. You really, really have. Uh, yes, indeed. Well, that's one of the great things about Geelong is that it has certainly come a long way in the last few years down there with the, the Deakin effect, you'd have oh, to say, Deakin, little Mallop Street oh, effect, God. and uh, your good self. But your mastermind subject for today is
4: whiskey. Indeed. And we thought, well, actually... Cam mm. realized that we need to do a little more history. We, we haven't We've got to do some history we haven't done whiskey, booze history for a long time. No, we and, haven't. Um, whiskey, we thought, was a, a great one to talk about. It's getting into winter, it was you know, International Whiskey Day, mm. you know, a couple of weeks back. So, we thought this is a great place to chat. Whiskey, and yes. all things. I'll. I'll Pour something while we're talking. Sure, yeah, um, yeah, there we go. So, so whiskey is probably the second. Well, you know, the second oldest well, spirit in, in, within the Western you know culture, which is you know, yes. We got to got to make sure we you know. There's a lot of history not not recorded as accurately as it could mm. be. But whiskey, you know, it's it is one of the oldest spirits. So you know, when the technology of distillation. You know, it sort of comes returns to Europe out of the Arabic Empire, where because it had sort of that, been perfected.
0: That's where it f- sort of first started, was it not? Yeah,
4: I mean, lots of distillation happening around the world. It's in yeah. Indonesia, you know, at least seven thousand years ago. Potentially in sort of what becomes Mexico, that part of Central America, ten thousand years ago. We're certainly not quite sure. That's still under debate. Um, but certainly, it was in the sort of you know the the Greek era in that part of Europe and then Persia. Yes. But then it really gets perfected in the alchemical tradition out of the, the Arabic Empire, which then obviously took and conquered most of Europe. You know, yes. all, I mean, all the way up to, to Cognac and nearly Paris. was and Spain. Yeah, that's don't, all of Spain. Don't, don't forget about Spain. And so this technology comes back to Europe... And it comes to the wine so it's regions. It's like, what, what have
0: the Moors ever given us? Other than maps yeah, yeah, and it's, astronomy it's and distillation. and, and, makeup, and yeah, <laughs> yes. alcohol? Huh? Beautiful art. <laughs> great ceramics. You know. Yeah, but what have they ever done for us? But the thing is that we had... Fermentation has been around for millennia. Yes, right? indeed. The, the ability to sort of let active yeasts come in and change liquids into falling down water... Um, <laughs> Has been great, but it needed that scientific impetus to discover distillation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a general statement,
4: and and it was this idea to concentrate that that essence. You know, that something special that yeah. was in a wine or in a beer that was different. And and just
0: about and all the societies then sort of called it this water of life thing.
4: Yeah. Isn't absolutely. that weird? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. What is? This stuff is... aquavita yeah, yeah. Vita, Acqua and all Vita. of this, yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, is whiskey a derivation of, of, of that? Uh,
4: of course.
1: That. So, but so of this, course. So this
4: technology, it's in the wine regions. They make brandy. Mm. Yes. It moves sort of north and east, and, and you get where it gets colder. There's less wine, but there's more beer. So you distill beer and you We're get, still, still going to sort of, find
0: a way to do it.
4: You get the sort of the... The, the, the precursor to whiskey, hmm. and then it sort of diverts a little bit, and the the I guess the tradition in Eastern Europe goes into the technology of distilling yes, and that path leads to vodka. right. but in what happens in the yeah, north yeah, right. is that the technology says how do we take this hot spirit that's a bit aggressive
0: yeah and, and temperate?
4: It? We're going to put it in barrels yes, and we're going to rest it. And so, that part. So
0: we're going to put it on wood rather yeah. than... So So what were they doing differently in the East with the vodka? Because there it was extracting everything out of the alcohol. Is that
4: sort of... A- ah, look, it's 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 about how do you take something that when you first start making it with reasonably sort of the, the start of distilling technology, so it's mm. pretty hot, it's pretty aggressive, it's yeah. pretty wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. And how do you then make that super drinkable? So, yes. you know, in Russia, and in Poland, and in Scandinavia, they would flavour this... So, you get aquavits out of Scandinavia, flavoured with, you know, caraway and caraway. caraway. Mm. Uh, you get honey vodkas and cherry vodkas and walnut vodkas, right yes. through Poland and Russia, and apple yes. vodkas and grass vodkas. So the, but you also. The, the
0: bison grass with, like, Zubrovka, yes, okay, yeah.
4: But that also, that thing out of Russia and Poland, you then start to get, well, oh, how do we make it better? How do we? And, make- they, and they get deep into the tech of distilling until they get something that is beautiful when it's fresh.
0: So it, it, in Russia, they, they, it kept the distillers up all night going, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. what are we going to do? Yeah. Sorry, stop it. Um, and then maybe they said, okay, we distill it again. And then we do it a few times, which then makes it purer and less fiery and good. But then in Scotland and Scotland what do they do?
4: Ireland, England. They said wood will you know, help us. They're sort of fighting in the same way that the, the Poles and the Russians are about who invented it. Um, we know the word whisky mm. comes from ousaspitha, yes. which is Gaelic for water of life. say that again
0: because you say that much better uh, than ususbitha. I ever could. I'm sorry, I, I talked over you. Oh, one more time.
4: Oousaspitha, which I, well, I'm not sure how well I'm saying it, but uh, I'm having a go. Uh, that's well, you're having
0: sure. a bit of crack than I probably could.
4: And it's very similar in both Irish and Scottish Gaelic, and the the word whisky sort of de- derives out of that. Hmm. Um, and it was this idea that you take this sort of twice distilled spirit of beer mm. and you know, when we're up in Scotland and we're in Ireland, you know, it's largely barley, and you stick it in barrel and wait until it tastes nice.
0: So this is this is the son of beer. When we when we have <laughs> when we have whiskey it is it's it's the progeny
4: yeah, of, it is. of so beer, right, really. Yeah. Hmm. You know, absolutely. So this this is made this one we're taste, we're tasting some um, this is a I guess, a special edition of Ned Whiskey. Mm. So this is a whiskey that I had the pleasure to make. um, Made in Campbellfield, just outside of Melbourne, but it's in American style. So we're not talking single malt. Yeah. So this is a predominantly corn. Yes. And then aged in uh, American oak barrels. So this one, have a a taste. Corn? Yeah. Corn. (laughs) Wow. Indeed.
0: Did you put an E on it? Mm-mm.
4: Is that right? No, I like that.
0: Okay, that's um, okay. First of all, let's let's look at Matt. Matt's just <laughs> sat back and just gone, yeah.
1: I just every time I drink, I, I actually do quite like whiskey, but just obviously it's uh, quite the gear change from a coffee uh, with the alcohol. <laughs> what is the alcohol? Forty four and forty four.
0: And dare yeah. I say it, Matt was one of the things that Matt said was that um, I only really drink whiskey after dark. After dark. Um, but here we are, so. There is a real lick of sweetness on this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that's um, partly the oak,
4: partly the corn. Mm-hmm. So where you've got, you know, in Scotland and in Ireland. There's a bit of smoke on the nose? Um, uh, it's probably just the, the structure of the tannin yep. out of the oak. Yeah. So any, any smokiness is really just coming from the barrels. Yep. There's no, no peat or anything like that. So yep. through it. But, yep. But, yeah, that sort of Gee, tradition nice. of whiskey. You know, which you see in Scotland, it sort of gets deep into single malt, twice distilled, 100% barley.
0: Great colour too. Thank
4: you. In Ireland, they go into uh, using both malted barley and unmalted barley and often three times distilled. Yes. So a really different style again. <clears throat> and then in America, where you've sort of got this blending of immigration from Ireland and Scotland mm. using local grains, being corn, mm. you start to have the rise of this sort of American whiskey, also a little bit of rye as well, but mm. um, but what sort of becomes bourbon and it's generally well. Early on, it would be twice distilled, mm. um, and then aged in American oak barrels. And uh, so this one's yeah, twice distilled. Um, yes, I've got another one for you. Oh. Wow, that <laughs> one so, was a little bit more. Uh... <laughs> so this is another. Hey, one hang of about! Our... I've
0: actually noticed you've got corks in your <laughs> yeah. Ned because That's kind I of a rare thing these still days. Still there. <laughs>
4: yeah, you get them here and there. So this is this is <laughs> another one of the mm. Ned sort of single releases. Pass them oh, so to... different. To Matt, so yeah. this is really all about barrel selection. So I wanted to bring a couple of whiskies. They've come off the same still, both twice distilled, both predominantly corn. Whoa, um, they smell so different. But these are, are slightly different barrels. So yes. what we do is we, you know, you go through and you, you make the barrel selection. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to demonstrate that so much about whiskey, okay, you've got to start with a good new make and that starts with good grain and good distilling and all of that. But then it's about barrel selection. It's about maturation yes. and about ageing, and that's really...
0: How long has this been Well, this on one's wood? about
4: two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So some actually, it's a couple of different barrels. Um, some are a little bit older, but that's sort of... How big are the barrels? On that one. Uh, this is a blend of 200 litre barrels and yes. 500 as well.
0: So uh, am I right in saying that the smaller the barrel, um, ah. the less time it has to stay on wood because of the ratio of interaction between wood and liquid?
4: I will answer that in two ways. Okay, okay.
0: well, okay. Let's sit back, everybody. I'll say
4: yes. Yes. And no. And no. (laughs) (laughs) I knew. Yes. So uh, the ageing of whiskey is a combination of three things. Mm. You've got extraction, so that's how it pulls those oak flavours out of the barrel. Yeah. You've got reduction, so that's evaporation over time. You actually lose... Different things evaporate faster. The angels share. That's correct. Yes. And so you actually want to l- lose some of the brighter, more aggressive notes. They evaporate out. Yes. And then the last piece is reaction. Yes. So this is actually the chemical relationship between the oak extract, the new make spirit and the... Um, uh, and, and actually, what's happening inside the spirit? And that's where you get sort of much longer chain flavors. So, you get softening, you get uh, that beautiful texture on the palate. Mm-hmm. All of that comes from that reactive process. So, those three behaviors or those three things mm-hmm. have to coincide. So, if you think about them like sine waves, yes, and the reduction is happening, and the reaction is happening, and the extraction yes. is happening, yes, you want them all to line up, yes. And so, you know, I mean, anyone who's into Riesling knows Riesling goes through that, what they call the dumb stage, where it's too young to be fresh, but it's not old enough to be delicious. <laughs> it's no better. And it's just yes. like, leave it alone. You yeah. know, it's in the Riesling hole. It needs three more years, and then it's delicious.
0: Hey, that's, that's what I tell Duncan all the time when he comes on the show and he hates me for it.
4: But that's the same with whiskey. You know, if you've yes. got the extraction from the oak, before you've got the mellowness of the reaction and the and the, and the change from the reduction mm-hmm. they're not in balance yet so, so this is wait as, so it's all of those three have to come is, together as, as you watch your little children develop <laughs>
0: um, can you tell us the difference because um, um, maybe some of us don't know but the difference between when we talk about a blended whiskey and a malt <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: I mean, in some ways it's really simple. Um, yeah. A single malt must only be made of malted barley. Yes. It must be... And the, just,
0: just very quickly, what does malted actually mean?
4: Uh, so it's like uh, growing bean sprouts on a, on a tissue. Yeah. So you take your barley seeds and you wet them and you let them start to germinate. You sprout them and, and then, then you have, cook them then you go. <laughs> and you and kill them. But that releases enzymes inside the barley that yes. convert starch to sugar. So that's that's yeah. malted. Yeast doesn't eat starch, only eats sugar. So you use those enzymes. So yeah. the malting releases them. Thank you, um, enzymes. So single malt, 100% barley must be the product of one distillery mm-hmm. and then twice distilled and uh, to be legally single malt, three years mm-hmm. in barrel. On the wood. And then if it's two different single malt distilleries blended, mm. they call that a vatted malt or a pure malt. So still 100% single malt ingredients, but yep. it's not a single malt product. Yes. And then a blended whiskey, they'll use often uh, things like wheat, Uh, It used to be corn, but now predominantly wheat, and they'll make a a much cleaner spirit. They'll age separately, and then they'll blend that back with single malt, like a cordial. Yeah. And this is different to American whiskey, Mm. which is batch-made like single malt, but not from barley. Yes. And different to Irish whiskey, which is batch-made like single malt, but not from malted barley. It's a proportion of malted and some what they call green barley. Mm. So in one sense, you've got post-production blending... And you've got batch production. Yes. And types of batch production are things like single malt whiskey and bourbon whiskey and Irish whiskey. Mm. And then things can also be blended within that. And we think of, say, Johnny Walker is probably yeah. one of the, oh, the the one that probably yeah. comes to most people's minds. And you know, like anything. You can do. You can use those tools to make something wonderful. Yes. Or you can use those tools to drive a higher margin return. <laughs>
0: so, using
4: your powers for good or bad.
0: All right. In the mo- little bit of time that we have left, uh, your favourite expression of uh, whiskey in a cocktail?
4: Uh, I love American whiskey and cocktails because of, I was introduced to cocktails and American whiskey through things like the Old Fashioned and the Manhattan. Yeah. And, and those drinks, you know, for me, I love. And a lot of people out there will be saying, well, surely that should be rye. Mm. But when I started making them, I'm old enough <laughs> that we couldn't buy rye, and so it was all bourbon, and that was yeah, how I come on. got into it. So I, I really, really love you know a great American whiskey. Obviously, I appreciate single malt and the incredible whiskeys coming out of Australia and Tassie and you know, yes. Starwood and locally. But um, but I
0: do Starwood, and we have to obviously we have to dip our lids to uh, Bill Lark too. Oh,
4: absolutely, Lark but
0: whiskey. And now we have to talk about you and and Ned whiskey as well.
4: Uh, look, it's been an incredible pleasure. You know, we, we were there um, actually on Friday. We were doing, a, a you know, an ABV assessment. And just mm. to be tasting so many barrels and being able to make something locally that's, you know, lovely. Yes. And in the American style.
0: So many barrels, so little time. you got a feel for Seb, don't you? Um, yes, Seb Rayburn. Um, been on the show many, many times mm. talking about all manner of things. And the good news is he's just gone on a what would be
1: a whiskey grand tour. Yes. To, Around to the, the highlands and the lowlands and the midlands and the otherlands and the, the, all, the, all the isles. The cold lands of the
0: north. Uh, so the great news is he'll be back on... Uh, with us soon in the studio, mm. and uh, it'll be interesting to hear about his tales of distillation and daring do with his uh, partner, Dirtler McGowan. Yes. Well, when do you think we should probably leave this space and let ingenuity inhabit it?
1: I think we should, and we'll be back to normal next week.
0: Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, folks. Look forward to seeing you in the studio next week. See you, Matt.